Heavenly Father, we have come into your house once again today on a a beautiful Sabbath day that you have given us. As we come into your house to worship you and reflect upon your glory, your majesty, the wonderful works that you have created and made that we might be constantly reminded of you. We pray that our hearts will be touched deeply today, that we will remember just how important this special day of worship is and realize that it is the connection between you and your people to tell the world that you are still on the throne of the universe. We pray for your guidance as we enter into our study today. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be poured out without measure. Touch our hearts. Baptize each one of us in your spirit today. And guide us through this study of your word, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I want to thank you for coming and being here for part two of this series. And I want to do just a little review. It won't be a huge review, but a short review for some who haven't been here. I want to remind you what we talked about last week. So let's begin, as always, with the Word of God. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. You remember last week, we talked about how God had created everything, and that in Genesis chapter 1, we saw that God was essentially the subject of the entire chapter. God said, God saw, God did, God blessed. God was involved in every act of creation. And you know, it's interesting because the world today, remember we talked about truth And we talked about the importance of truth this morning as we begin. The first question I have for you to ask yourself is, do you really believe in the Word of God? Are you really grounded on the Scriptures so that as time comes and our feelings tell us one thing, but our principles tell us another, where will you stand when the world starts to put pressure on you? Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. Remember, we discovered last week or were reminded that it was God who rested on that first Sabbath day because He was the one who had done all the work. And of course, not that He needed to rest. We discovered that that word rest is Shabbat, meaning that He simply ceased from all of His work. And we know from inspiration that He ceased from all of His work because He was satisfied that it was all well done. We also notice that in the beginning that God instituted the Sabbath and that man began to keep the Sabbath from that point on. And sadly, for those who are always looking for some exact word to say, we have to understand that God, in giving the Sabbath to man, illustrated the keeping of the Sabbath. So in Genesis chapter 1, God is not necessarily giving a command to keep the Sabbath. He is illustrating how man is to keep the Sabbath. He is demonstrating that for us. He is instituting the Sabbath into the lives of mankind. He gave us the perfect illustration. The Sabbath was then to be kept or observed, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, as a memorial of creation, a reminder 
of our Creator. A special day that God had set apart and blessed and given for mankind. Now you remember that there are two institutions that came directly from the week of creation. The Sabbath and marriage. And I want you to see very clearly this morning, as we look at both of those institutions, how the devil is reigning his attack on both of those. And the reason why is because he knows that if he can go into a home and divide a family, that the chances of him getting the entire family are much greater once he has separated the husband and wife. So this morning, you need to understand that God is trying to help you stay close to Him by keeping close to your wife or your husband in your marriage. And to understand that as we look at the news around us, there is a huge assault on marriage, the institution of marriage. And why is it happening? Because the world is not accepting what God says in His Word. Man is wanting to come up with his own ideas, his own rules and regulations. I thought it was interesting the other day. I was listening to someone who was talking about as the Supreme Court is about to turn over this ruling that marriage is between a man and a woman. There was someone talking about it, and they brought out the fact that that the gays or the homosexuals or lesbians should have their rights just as well. And then someone responded and said, well, if we go and we take marriage to the next level, then who is to say that a group isn't going to come along following that and say, well, then those who think incest is okay should be able to do what they like. Those who think bestiality is okay should be able to do what they like. Do you know what the person responded? He said, well, those things are morally wrong. Now, I wish I would have been the interviewer then because the first thing I would have said was, where do you get your moral compass? Where are you getting the morals that you live up to? If you think that's morally wrong, did you find that in Scripture? Where are you getting your moral compass? You see, my brothers and sisters, we live in a world that doesn't believe in the Word of God. And in that world, those people are not setting their moral compass by the Scriptures of God. So when you follow the Scriptures of God, then you indeed are going to be a unique and peculiar person. Amen? So we want to realize this morning those two things, the two very things that God gave to man before the fall in a perfect world, in a perfect environment, the two things that God gave to man are under the greatest attack today. And we want to keep that in mind as we continue on. There were three specific things that we saw in Genesis chapter 2 that God did in instituting the Sabbath. We know that he rested. We talked about that. We know that he blessed the Sabbath day and that he sanctified it. Now, I just want to briefly touch on those before we look at how we keep the Sabbath. Number one, in resting, we know that God ceased from his labor, not because he was tired, but because he saw that all he had done was very good. He had completed the work of creation. In Exodus 31, verse 17, we are told that he rested on the seventh day and was refreshed. And that word in the Hebrew, rested or refreshed, is nefash. And that word means simply to breathe like a sigh. Can you imagine what it must have been like when God finished creation and he looked at all that he had done and he went, ah. You ever did something, you know, you finished it and you stepped back and you looked at it and you went, Good job. That's what God must have done as he looked at all of creation and saw that it was very, very good. 
Number two, he blessed it, or as the Hebrew word barak says. Now, it's interesting because that word means to bless God as an act of adoration. Isn't it interesting that as we come together on Sabbath, we are to worship God with adoration and praise? And that very word blessed means in adoration of God or to bless man with a benefit. And God gave us the Sabbath as a benefit, a blessing to us. In review in Herald August 3, 1897, it's put in this way, God gave the Sabbath to be a blessing to man. It was to be to him a memorial of God's creation. It was to remind him of God's sacred rest, for which reason he had blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Which takes us to the third thing that God did. He sanctified the Sabbath. He made it holy. He set it apart as a very special day. It was significant among all the other days of the week. And what's interesting is how, once again, man has tried to make it insignificant. Man has tried to choose this day or that. And, you know, as time progressed, we were starting out with just Saturday or Sunday. But, you know, I listened to a, strangely enough, a Baptist minister just recently, a well-known Baptist minister in the Orlando area. And as he was talking about the Sabbath, my ears perked up. And I thought, well, this will be interesting to see how he explains the Sabbath. And he began talking about the importance of the rest on the Sabbath and how we need to take time out from our week. And as I was waiting and listening, and then he began to say this, which really took me by surprise. Now he said, Now, you may not be able to rest on a Saturday or a Sunday. You may have to make your Sabbath a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And I thought, isn't that interesting now? Really, just whatever day happens to work for you can be your Sabbath. And you remember one of the truths that we studied last week is that this Sabbath is not yours or mine. It's whose? It's God's Sabbath given to man that we have the privilege of observing it. Let's look at a couple of verses this morning as we think about God sanctifying the Sabbath. Go with me to Exodus chapter 31 and verse 17. Exodus chapter 31 and verse 17. Exodus chapter 31 and verse 17. Excuse me, it's verse 13, not 17. 31 and verse 13. I was going to start reading 13, and you'd have been on 17, and you'd have said, what kind of version do you have? So I'm on verse 13. Are you there with me? Okay. Exodus 31, verse 13. Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily what? My Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that what? Doth sanctify you. You see, when God sanctified the Sabbath, it was not only to set that day apart, to set that day aside as holy and special, but it was also to let His children know that He is the one that does the sanctifying. God is the one who makes us holy. We cannot make ourselves holy. Amen? Are you with me there? Let's go to one more verse before we move on. This is in Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 12. Ezekiel 20 and verse 12. 
Now, these are verses that you're familiar with, but this morning what we are wanting to do is we're wanting to build a foundation that helps us understand very clearly why we are keeping the Sabbath and what it should mean to us individually. If we do not understand that, then when a test comes in our life, we are going to fall and we're going to give up the Sabbath because there's more pressure from the outside. Notice what the Bible says in Ezekiel 20 and verse 12, moreover also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctifies them. You see, God gave us the Sabbath not just so we would remember who He is, but as we look at His creative power, we recognize that He is the one who can recreate our hearts. Amen? Inspiration puts it this way in Maranatha, page 244. The Sabbath is a sign of Christ's power to make us holy. And it is given to all whom Christ makes holy. As a sign of His sanctifying power, the Sabbath is given to all who through Christ become a part of the Israel of God. And you remember last week, we talked about how as time has progressed, we have gone from literal Israel to God's last remnant spiritual Israel. Amen? Are you with me there? We know that we're not all going to have to go through Israel to get to the kingdom. Is that right? It's all through Jesus Christ. And all those who accept Christ as their Savior are becoming a part of spiritual Israel. So it tells us that the Sabbath is given to all who through Christ become a part of Israel of God. The Sabbath, I love this line, the Sabbath is a golden clasp that unites God and His people. You see, when we understand the blessing and the beauty and the sacredness of the Sabbath, it is a clasp, a golden clasp that unites us to God. And one more in Our Father Cares, page 153. Sanctification means habitual communion with God. There is nothing so great and powerful as God's love for those who are His children. You know, my brothers and sisters, this morning I hope you grasp the concept that God loves you more than you could ever imagine or think. And if you are going through a trial, a struggle, if you are battling with the temptation in your life, God is there longing to empower you to gain victory. And He says that as you understand my Sabbath, you will understand that I can make you holy. But here's something interesting to consider. If you are living an unholy life during the week, you are not suddenly going to live a holy life on the Sabbath. It is important to note that God is the one who made the Sabbath holy. It is the only day that is set apart, special, sacred. And in keeping the Sabbath, we do not make it holy. It already is holy. Do you understand that concept? You and I don't make the Sabbath holy by keeping it. And that's one of the problems that I believe the Christian world faces today is they think that they can choose a day and make it holy. There is only one day holy. And I don't say that to be proud or cocky or anything else. I say it because that's the truth of the Word of God. God has only given us one day. He has only blessed one day and made it holy. There is only one Sabbath day. And as you can see in the world we live in today, it is becoming more and more of an issue and a controversy. Whether we observe it or not, it's still holy. 
You know, I shared with you the story of when I was a front-end mechanic last week, and I told you about how that went when the owner came to me, and he basically told me, if you're not going to work on Saturdays, you're going to have to quit. I walked out, he came out to the truck, and he was telling me that I told him if he needed me on Sabbath, I'd work. Well, all of that got worked out, you know, and I kept my job, and I continued to work for a couple of years more, but you know, I, I love softball. And uh, for about 15 years, I, I played fast-pitch softball. I was a pitcher. And to tell you how much I loved softball back then, my brother lived in Paradise, California, which was about two and a half hours away. And he asked me if I would play on his team. So once a week, I drove two and a half hours up, played the game, and then drove two and a half hours back. But you know what? That got me in a little bit of trouble. Because the owner's son liked softball. And he played on a tournament team. And he wanted me to come pitch for their team. And I told him, I said, Jim, I can't do that. You play on Sabbath. He said, look, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. You're not working. You're playing. <laughs> and I want you to know I fell. He promised me, he said, look, if you'll play on our team, Ralph, you can rest assured you're never going to have to work on Sabbath. I will never ask you to work, and I won't let my dad ask you to work on Saturday. And you know, I started playing on Sabbath in tournaments. And one day, in the middle of a tournament, one afternoon, I was sitting on a field waiting for the next game. And all of the other team members were over, and they all had a few beers, and most of them smoked, and they're all sitting around. I had nothing in common. And I'm sitting by myself over there, and I want you to know that I believe God does talk to us. It wasn't audible, but I sensed God speaking to my conscience. And it was like a voice said, Ralph, what are you doing here on my Sabbath day? Why are you out here? You have nothing in common with these guys except a little white ball. I want you to remember my Sabbath. I want you to come back and spend this day with me. And you know, I went home that day and I was confused. And I said to God, I said, now Lord, look, I don't know what I believe anymore, but I'm going to challenge you right now. And I'm going to start taking the Bible. And if this Sabbath is really the truth, then you're going to have to show me. What, what a silly thing to say. I mean, Genesis 2, it starts. So I began studying the Bible, and more and more I began to realize that this was truly the day God had set aside. And everything that I had learned as a boy growing up was truth. My question for you now is, do you know the truth for yourself? You see, your mother or father's truth, your brother or sister's truth will not save you and get you into the kingdom. You have to know truth for yourself. You see, man does not pick and choose the day he will make holy. That was done by the Creator at creation. So this morning as we move on, how do we keep or observe the Sabbath day? This is a question that comes to many people, and oftentimes new believers that come into the faith are wondering, how do I keep the Sabbath? What's right? What's wrong? I hear so many different things. Let's look at a few principles this morning where I believe we can stand firmly upon. In Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 32, the Bible tells us that from even to even shall ye celebrate your Sabbaths. Now, that relates totally back to creation, doesn't it? The Bible tells us in the evening and the morning were the first day. So God is letting us know that at the very beginning of the Sabbath on Friday night to the very ending of the Sabbath on Saturday evening, we will be keeping the Sabbath. 
Now, you know, it's interesting, and we need to understand that as time progresses, the Sabbath is going to come a very prominent thing in the world. And I want you to know that God is already moving. I just recently saw, and maybe many of you have seen it, there was an interview that somebody posted on Facebook. A young man, his name is Devon Franklin, and Devon is a Hollywood executive. In fact, he is the vice president of production at Columbia Pictures. Now, Devon was talking with none other than Oprah Winfrey. Have you heard of Oprah? Is there anybody here that's never heard of Oprah? Does that tell you something this morning? He was having a conversation with Oprah Winfrey, and he was talking about his faith, and Oprah asked a question. She said, now, where do you get your faith? How have you established your faith and this belief? And then she kind of narrowed it down even more, and she said, in other words, what denomination are you? He said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And Oprah said, and what what do Seventh-day Adventists believe? He said, well, first, Seventh-day Adventists believe that Saturday is the true Sabbath of the Word of God. And he said, and we keep Sabbath from Friday night sundown until Saturday night sundown. And he went on carrying on and sharing with her about his faith. And then he told her, now you may be sitting there and going, yeah, but he's working in Hollywood. Brothers and sisters, God is going to use people from everywhere to let the world know about his truth. And we should never judge someone on the growth that they have. We don't know how God is leading this man along. And I want you to know that this man is standing up in a place where it's unbelievable for the Sabbath. And that young man began his career in Hollywood. And the interesting thing, and it reminded me so much of my own experience, he went in for his first job, his first interview in Hollywood, where they produce movies and everything else, and they're basically working whenever they want all the time. And he walked in and he said, Now, I'll be a part of your organization and I'll be helping with production and all that, but I will not be working from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. And strangely enough, Everyone that he shared that with said, we'll work around that. We really like the work you do. We'll work around that. I want you to know what he said that morning because this really made an impression on me. And I think this is something that you always need to remember if you are ever tested on the Sabbath issue in your life. He was talking about God opening up doors, and he said, if I embrace who I am, it will open doors, not shut them. If you embrace the fact that you are a child of God and you are a follower of Jesus and you keep His law and His commandments, God will open doors, not shut them. But here's the important factor to remember, and I was very impressed with this statement. If your faith won't fit through the door, don't walk through the door. Because if God is opening up a door for you, it will be big enough for your faith. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Brothers and sisters, you are not going to have to alter the things that you believe if they are truth. God will provide. Now, He may not do it on the first time. You may go through a trial and a test to know whether or not you are really going to be faithful and whether or not the Sabbath really means something to you or not. But this young man was willing to put his job on the line every opportunity that he had to stand up for what he believed was the truth. May we be as faithful this morning. Knowing when the Sabbath is, is important because preparation for the Sabbath does not just happen at sundown Friday night. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I know how the week goes, and that's part of the devil's plan to get us so busy and so tied up with everything in life that all of a sudden we almost forget Sabbath is coming until, oh, it's going to be sundown in 20 minutes. And then we began the fanatic rush. But you see, what God is wanting us to recognize is that we don't think about the Sabbath just on Friday night to Sabbath. We think about it all week long. Because if we really love Him, we remember that it's that beautiful, special day, and we're planning for that day because we know that that's a special appointment that we have with God, unlike any other day of the week. It is something that we plan for from the very end of the Sabbath we just kept. It should be the day we look forward to, the day we know we will put aside to spend time in communion with God and with our families. You see, the devil and his attack on the Sabbath has caused man to be so overwhelmed with the cares and the burdens of this life that man has come to the point he thinks he has no time for the Sabbath. But inspiration says something different. Councils to the Church, page 262. All through the week, we are to have the Sabbath in mind and be making preparation according to the commandment. We are not merely to observe the Sabbath as a legal matter. We are to understand its spiritual bearing upon all the transactions of life. All who regard the Sabbath as a sign between them and God, showing that He is God who sanctifies them, will represent the principles of His government. They will bring into daily practice the laws of His kingdom. Daily it will be their prayer that the sanctification of the Sabbath may rest upon them. Every day they will have the companionship of Christ and will exemplify the perfection of His character. Every day their light will shine forth to others in good works. You see, the Sabbath should be a joy and a blessing, a day that we look forward to, not one that we go, oh, man, and it's July. Oh. Well, this is not going to be over till 8.30 or 9 o'clock. It should be a day that we look forward to. But you see, the problem is, is some people have a, approached the Sabbath with such a legalistic, such a do and a don't. Do this, don't do that. You can't do this, you can't do that. That the Sabbath, just like the Jews did, has become a drudgery. And those children that grow up in a home like that, I can tell you right now, the minute they have a chance, they're gone. They're saying, if that's what religion is like, if that's what God is like, I don't want to be a part of it. You know... A few years ago, it almost made me chuckle because I received a newsletter from a self-supporting ministry. They had gone to the point in their newsletter of talking about the scientific difference between baking and warming. So my question for you right now is if you turn the oven to 200 degrees, are you sinning? Is the line 175? Where is the line on that oven handle? You see, my brothers and sisters, what you better grasp this morning is God is talking about a principle. And when we take things to that degree, to where we are sitting there and talking about the tiny, minute difference between cooking and baking, we have taken the do's and don'ts of the Sabbath too far. I'm hoping that you are understanding that the principles of God's Word are so that we are planning ahead. As we start thinking about the Sabbath the week before, we are planning ahead and recognizing that on Sabbath, I want to make sure that everything that I can have is ready. 
And we are making plans for the Sabbath as it comes. You know, all my life, one of my favorite things to do is to go wash my car and gas it up on Friday afternoon. I, I don't know why, but that's just something I always wanted to do. I always want my car to look nice on Sabbath, and I always want to make sure I have gas in my car. And those are two things that I do in preparation. But the simple thing is, is all week long, we need to be realizing the Sabbath is coming, and I don't want to become a fanatic, but I want to practice the principles of God's law. I want to understand that that's the day that I set aside all of my practical and worldly labor so that I can spend time with Jesus. You see, the Jews had the same problem. Go with me as you see this illustration in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, and, and look at what Jesus dealt with in his day. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 5 that he came to fulfill the law, not to destroy the law. And notice what he was dealing with in Matthew chapter 12, and I'm going to begin in verse 1 as we look at this little situation with Jesus and the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, At that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn with his disciples. And they were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. You see, the Sabbath had become such a burden that if somebody were to take an ear of corn and just pick it off of a, a corn stalk, they were sinning. Notice what he says now. But he said unto them in verse 3, Have ye not read what David did when he was hungered, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple." But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And then on down in verse 11. Actually, let's continue on in 9 so you see the rest of the story. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to, to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. You see, my brothers and sisters, sometimes we have made the Sabbath such a burden we have gotten so legalistic in our view of what we can and can't do that it's turned into a day of do's and don'ts instead of a day where we remember our Creator and focus on Him. You know, this morning I want to share with you a simple principle, and I guarantee you that it will work. If your heart is surrendered to Jesus Christ and you are focused upon Him and you want to do all that pleases Him, Jesus will be impressing your heart what you need to do and not do on the Sabbath, the things that will draw you closer to Him and the things that are taking you further away. Desire of Ages, page 283. The Jewish leaders accomplished the will of Satan by surrounding God's rest day with burdensome requirements. 
In the days of Christ, the Sabbath had become so perverted that its observance reflected the character of selfish and arbitrary men rather than the character of the loving Heavenly Father. The rabbis virtually represented God as giving laws which it was impossible for man to obey. They led the people to look upon God as a tyrant and to think that the observance of the Sabbath as he required it made men hard-hearted and cruel. We don't want to do that with the Sabbath today. We want to understand the principles of the Sabbath. So go with me now as we start bringing this to a close to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and our scripture for today again, verses 8 through 11. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth to see in all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So now as those of you who remember Pastor Mark, I want to unpack that for just a minute if we can. And I want to just think for a moment, six days to do all of our work. You see, God gave us six days in which we were to do the things we need to do. And he said, you know, that's your work during the week. I want you to go ahead. I've given you six whole days. I'm just wanting one out of seven. But on that seventh day, I want you to focus on me. So in order for you to do that, you need to cease. Are you hearing me? You need to cease from all of your labors. You need to cease from those worldly things that distract you from me. You need to cease from the obligations that you hold on during the week. And you need to come and set this time aside for me. You need to plan ahead. Do not be so overwhelmed with the work that you do in life that you're so wiped out on Sabbath that you don't have the time to spend it with me. You see, the Sabbath is not just for us to go to church and then to go home that afternoon and practice some lay activities. The Sabbath is for us to also do service for God. You see, a Sabbath afternoon is a day where it's a beautiful blessing to go and give literature out to those in your community, to go and visit shut-ins, to go like we have in the past to rest homes in different places and bring some joy into their life by sharing some of the music of heaven. And some of the encouraging words of God. Again in the book, Our Father Cares, page 64. When the Sabbath is thus remembered, the temporal will be not allowed to encroach upon the spiritual. No duty pertaining to the six working days will be left for the Sabbath. During the week, our energies will not be so exhausted in temporal labor that on the Sabbath when the Lord rested and was refreshed, we shall be too weary to engage in His service. A day to remember our Creator. And the best place to remember that creative power is in nature. That's why it's harder sometimes to keep the Sabbath in the city. Because you go home from church and you're filled with everything around you is busy and hustling and bustling. I believe that on Sabbath afternoons, especially if you have children, you need to get them out to a place in nature. You need to take them out and let them see the glory of the wonderful works of God. 
because you see it's through nature. I remember Sabbath afternoons when we lived in Northern California. We would take the kids on a walk in the mountain. And, and you know, as, as we go up and climb trails and go up to the mountains and look out across this expanse of mountaintops, I said to myself, how can these children not believe in the majesty and power of God? As they look at this beautiful setting, there's only one way something could look like this, and that's if God himself created it. My Life Today 287 says, During a portion of the day, all should have an opportunity to be out of doors. Let their attention be called to the tokens of His love in His created works. As they view the beautiful things which He has created for the happiness of man, they will be led to regard Him as a tender and loving Father. As the character of God puts on the aspect of love, benevolence, beauty, and attraction, they are then drawn to Him. Don't let the Sabbath become a burden. Let it be the blessing that God designed that it should be. Seek God on your knees. Lord, how do you want me to spend this day with you? What are the things, Lord, that that keep me from having that close walk on Sabbath? What are the things that I'm doing that that keep me from forgetting the cares of life and have me focused on all, all of those and forget this time that I need to spend with you? We need to be making sure that we are focusing on the one who can show us the way to keep his Sabbath. Our last verse, let's go there as we close for sure. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. The Bible tells us, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honoring him, excuse me, holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. My brothers and sisters, God created the Sabbath to be a delight to mankind. It says to make it honorable. You remember in, uh, I believe it's 2 Samuel 20 and verse 20, where Samuel said, Them that honor me, I will honor. God will honor you when you honor him. Are you honoring him in the way that you keep his Sabbath today? This last thought from Maranatha. I saw that we sensed and realized but little the importance of the Sabbath to what we should realize and know of its importance and glory. I saw we knew not what it was yet to ride upon the high places of the earth and to be fed with the heritage of Jacob. But when the refreshing and latter rain shall come from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power, we shall know what it is like to be fed with the heritage of Jacob and to ride upon the high places of the earth. Then shall we see the Sabbath more in its importance and glory. But we shall not see in in all its glory and importance until the covenant of peace is made with us at the voice of God and the pearly gates of the new Jerusalem are thrown open and swing back on on their glittering hinges. And the glad and joyful voice of the lovely Jesus is heard richer than any music that ever fell on mortal ears bidding us enter in. 
You see, my brothers and sisters, as we, we saw last week, the Sabbath was given to man at creation. The Sabbath is going to be kept throughout eternity. But the question this morning is, are you keeping the Sabbath in a way now so that when a real test comes upon you, does the Sabbath really have meaning to you or are you just following the religion of your parents? Does the Sabbath really have meaning to you or are you just following a list of things that you think you're supposed to do and not do? Does the Sabbath hold the importance in your life that when your test comes, and it will, that you will be able to stand faithful to God. My prayer for each one of us this morning is that we will study for ourselves to know the truth of the Sabbath, what it means to us, that it will be a part of our being. And so that every day as we go through the course of the week, that every day the sanctification of the Sabbath is lived out in our lives in the way that we live in the world around us. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.